So this evening, a warm welcome to those of you that have just arrived. I'm sure you've been warmly welcomed by Chris already, so another warm welcome. And uh, we're so glad, really, that you're joining us for these last two weeks of this retreat. Your first two and our continuing on, those of us that have been here. So I think it's safe to say, uh, or offer you a warm welcome from everybody, all of us, not just me, not just Chris, but all of us who uh, have been in here and all around here <laughs> practicing for the last two weeks. The setting and the community and the retreat environment and the silent ambience have all been honed, we could say, uh, in a very simple and beautiful way through all of us living and practicing here together uh, over these last 14 days. And spring also has even uh, moved into place with more certainty. <laughs> with the grass uh, having grown a couple of inches recently and uh, uh, the tulips popping out, the daffodils popping out and the river really full and flowing, um, surrounded by very uh, pregnant uh, buds and blossoming uh, new green leaves. And that's just in the last couple of days. So everything's welcoming you <laughs> as it's opening. Welcoming you into this world of silence that pervades amidst all the various sounds of the world where everything just simply comes and goes in the very spacious patience, patient acceptance of silence. And the key here in retreat is that you don't have to be anybody. You don't really have to be anybody special. You don't have to present yourself. You don't have to be somebody or become somebody. Here in retreat, we just simply be. And really what a great relief it is to actually just simply be. And of course, while we're here in retreat, life is pared down, simplified from our usual daily life activities and demands and all of the seeming needs. There's not very much to do over these next couple of weeks. Sitting, walking, eating, hearing, talking with me a little bit every few days, 
spending uh, a bit of time every day with your yogi jobs, sleeping, and of course, most importantly, cultivating an open-hearted, interested, accepting, clear, and focused attention. And bringing this attention to your particular experiences of body, heart, and mind. So particularly for those of you that have just arrived, compared to the ways of the world, there's really very little to do uh, over these next couple of weeks, which is a very good thing to remember. Uh, because some of you might have such a strong habit of keeping busy that you may have the habitual inclination to go on creating all sorts of things to do just simply out of habit. So in light of this, one of the things that we're practicing while we're here is what we could call renunciation. Letting go of busyness both externally and potentially also internally. And letting go of the usual distractions uh, that you use, the usual distractions that you engage in to try to relax out of all of the external and internal busyness. So this renunciation is really a great gift, and it's a practice. It's not at all our usual way in our culture to take the time to engage our energy this way, to really simplify our life, and to simply spend time looking inward to come to a place like this to be, to really just simply be. And as I said, not to become anything or not to become a somebody. And not to fill up the mind with more stuff. But again, to just simply be. Connecting and looking inward looking directly at your experience just as it is in any given moment. And so we're continuing, beginning again, and beginning uh, all together in a kind of sanctuary, being here together in this place of safety and protection, this place that holds and engenders deep respect, deep acceptance. Whenever I spend time in retreat myself, whether it's teaching as I am during this month or whether I'm in a personal retreat, my own self, and be it just for a few days or for an extended period of time, although I know 
uh, deeply in my bones the great and small benefits of extended periods of practice. I'm always reminded again and again and again what an incredible and great gift we've been given from the Buddha. And what an incredible and great gift we give to ourselves when we take the time and we put out the energy to directly engage so deeply in this journey of awakening. And so here we are, all of us together, with really a rare two-week opportunity or ongoing month-long opportunity and with a rare continuing opportunity as I already said for those of you that have already been here for the last couple of weeks this time of cultivation discovery a time of exploration purification and understanding which as you know well may sometimes be beautiful easy fluid and sometimes not so easy and sometimes maybe quite challenging but all the while this time includes the potential of bringing forth experiences of calm, maybe deep calm, tranquility, joy, illumination, understanding, and wisdom. The supports here for our practice are many, and some of which I've already mentioned. And I'd like to spend now just a few moments exploring the refuges and precepts, which uh, will be offered uh, uh, for your taking at the beginning of each of the Dhamma talk evenings. So, taking refuge. People take refuge in all kinds of things in all of the much of the various uh, things, the stuff, the material world, the physical plane, all the stuff of that world. And people take refuge in all kinds of ideas and various beliefs, conjectures on the mental plane. This refuge really doesn't uh, have much sustaining power or much depth. I sometimes think of it as a virtual refuge, which creates a kind of pretend happiness (laughs) in this constantly changing ephemeral world of ours. So, of course, taking refuge in the context of our practice um, has a different uh, approach and a different meaning. 
one of the ways we might recognize and experience refuge and some of you who have been here over the last weeks I'm sure have had this experience we experience refuge as a place of shelter a place of protection and safety maybe a sacred space a sacred place And as I mentioned at the very beginning of this uh, retreat, I found this uh, dictionary definition some time ago for the word refuge, which I think is quite appropriate, actually, uh, in many of our practice moments, or at least some of them. (laughs) That refuge is a port of shelter to vessels in stormy weather. And so we have refuge here. in in sometimes stormy weather both outside and maybe inside internally I think for many of us refuge is also often experienced as a place of strength and clarity both inwardly within ourselves and also outwardly the strength and clarity of those around us our community, our practice community the strength and clarity of our teachers over the years, the strength and clarity of our particular spiritual friends here and at home who are on the path with us. And in the context of the Dhamma, we take refuge in what are spoken about as the three jewels or the the three treasures the first being the Buddha which for many people means the historical Buddha Gautama Buddha taking refuge in what we could say is our Buddha the Buddha of our time even though it's he lived a few thousand years ago and this uh, taking refuge in the Buddha can bring inspiration and energy into our practice for instance we might reflect on the purity of the Buddha's heart mind the heart that's free from anguish free from confusion the heart mind that's free from all suffering and we might reflect on the great and amazing accomplishments of the Buddha which can inspire us towards a more sustained and greater effort in our own practice. And lastly, what I think is really an important aspect of taking refuge in the Buddha is that we're taking refuge in our own true nature, our own innate awakened nature, taking refuge in the truth of ourselves or what in some traditions are called our original face and the fact that essentially we're not separate from this it's not somewhere else it's not other than us but it's really right here always available to be known so from this perspective taking refuge in the Buddha is a symbol of faith faith in 
one's own deepest and most expansive potential. So that's the first jewel of refuge. The second jewel or treasure that we take refuge in is the Dhamma, which is most often translated in this case of our practice as the teachings of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the teachings of the truth, the way of things, the universal laws. We could say that taking refuge in the Dhamma is taking refuge in what is actually true, moment to moment to moment. Taking refuge in how it truly is. So with this refuge, we're aligning ourselves with the practice of mindful awareness. Concentration and mindful awareness. Aligning ourselves with the practice of insight, understanding. This practice of concentration and wisdom. This practice that directs us to look directly and deeply at how it is. Taking refuge in the cultivation of a concentrated, direct, and powerful, mindful awareness that's grounded in kindness, grounded in metta, in order to see the truth. Dropping our expectations dropping our habitual patterns of seeing and also the habit of relying on others to tell us how it is. Taking refuge in the Dhamma ourselves. So that's the second jewel or treasure that we take refuge in, the Dhamma. The third jewel is taking refuge in the Sangha, the community. Traditionally, the Sangha has been the monastic community, the community of Buddhist monks and nuns, those who over centuries have totally devoted their lives to liberation. Since the time of the Buddha and up until quite recent times it's primarily been the monastic Sangha who have held and offered the teachings and the practices of the Buddha Dhamma and truly if it hadn't been for this monastic Sangha over the centuries we all would not be sitting here together this way this evening In more recent times, the Sangha has come to meet not only the monastic Sangha, but also the Sangha, the community of lay teachers and lay practitioners. So here we are, actually, a mix of all of that in this retreat. There are moments when I take refuge in the Sangha where there's this uh, sense of the incredible, vast expanse of human beings in this world, both past, 
and present that I'm connected with through this process of awakening. A sense of connection and a sense of unity that brings uh, quite an inspiration and faith in the process and faith in myself as I engage in this process. Another important aspect of taking refuge in the Sangha is that we're actually taking refuge in each other. Right here. Right now. The support, the encouragement, uh, the inspiration that we receive, that we receive from and that we give to each other. Even in the silence as we spend these weeks together. So very necessary on this amazing, powerful, and sometimes difficult journey. And as I've mentioned, and as you all well know, our culture doesn't particularly encourage or support us to engage in this journey. There are cultures that do, but this isn't one of them. It's very difficult, and I think, if not impossible actually, to practice totally alone in this world. We need Sangha. We need the support, the inspiration, and the strength of community to engage in and to continue along this journey. So this third jewel, taking refuge in the Sangha, a great support actually as we continue on through the month and through these two weeks, taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And the next support that I'll speak about just briefly is the practice of sila. A Pali word that means living ethically in relationship to all forms of life. Living with a deep moral sensitivity towards and with all forms of life, including ourselves. And the Buddha offered these particular teachings, as you know, these teachings and practices, in the form of precepts or guidelines. And I like to use the word guidelines um, because it helps us to understand that these are guidelines. They're not kind of rigid rules laid down on us, so to say, from the outside but really rather they're a basis, they're the ground of our life in practice. And the underlying principle of these guidelines or these precepts is non-harming. The intention and the practice of sila is, is to learn to live 
with all forms of life with a very deep respect and a caring heart honoring life in all of its forms and then to act in our life from this place and sharing some words from the Buddha from the Dhammapada around this this is the section called harmlessness all beings tremble before violence all fear death all love life see yourself in others then whom can you hurt what harm can you do one who seeks happiness by hurting those who seek happiness will never find happiness for your sister your brother is like you she he wants to be happy never harm him never harm her in this life and when you leave this life you too will find happiness As our practice continues to deepen and mature, we come to understand more and more clearly what brings happiness, contentment, and ease on the deepest level, and what brings suffering and confusion, what brings dis-ease. Any one of the guidelines or precepts may light up at any point along the way of our time in practice during this retreat during a moment of touching, seeing, smelling, tasting, hearing while while sitting, walking, eating during your yogi job bringing your attention right into the present moment's experience with a relaxed, open-hearted, and focused attention, which quite naturally offers uh, the opportunity for the clarity of concentration, mindfulness, and wisdom to arise. And I'd like to share, as I did at the very beginning of this retreat, uh, I'd like to again share a particular rendition of the refuges, or the precepts primarily, but the refuges at the end. And this is a rendition that was um, written by a woman named Stephanie Kaza, who for many years lived at the Green Gulch Zen Farm community and I like her particular way of uh, uh, putting forth these guidelines because in a very simple way it tells us why we do this 
knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow not to kill. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow to not take what is not given. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow to not engage in abusive relationships. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow to not speak falsely or deceptively. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow to not harm self or others with poisonous thought or substance. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow to not dwell on past errors. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow to not speak of self separate from others. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow to not possess any thing or form of life selfishly. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow to not harbor ill will toward any plant, animal, or human being. Knowing how deeply our lives intertwine, we vow to not abuse the great truth of the three treasures, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. In this retreat, we're practicing either the five precepts or the eight precepts, the eight guidelines for lay uh, practitioners. And as, uh, as I've already mentioned, at the beginning uh, of each Dhamma talk evening, we'll be offering the precepts, precepts and chanting them together. And you have a choice, uh, a choice to practice with the support of the five precepts, or to explore the practice uh, with the guidelines and support of the eight precepts. And if eight precepts are new for you, or if you're familiar with them and have practiced with them previously, um, you're very welcome to, we could say, try them out. Try them out for some days or maybe for your whole time here. If you do decide uh, to uh, practice with the eight precepts, please leave a note up on the note board uh, for our cook, Surya, so that you let her know that uh, you won't be eating the tea time meal and so that she prepares enough juice uh, at tea time for those who are uh, practicing with the eight precepts. And if at some point you change your mind, Uh, and you want to stop doing the eight precepts or if you want to start doing them at some point along the way again please leave a note for Surya so she knows what the evening meal situation is in relationship to everybody here So all of these really wonderful supports here for us through these next two weeks of our retreat practice. The simplicity of daily life here, the 
ambiance and the availability of the natural world surrounding us here. The silence, refuge in the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, and the five or eight precepts or guidelines supporting our life here in community, our life here in retreat. So closing uh, this uh, part of the evening with uh, a poem, one of my favorite entering into retreat poems or supporting the continuation of being in retreat poems. (laughs) And this is a poem by David White called Tillico Lake. In this high place, it's as simple as this. Leave everything you know behind. Step toward the cold surface. Say the old prayer of love. And open both arms. Those who come with empty hands will stare into the lake astonished. There in the cold light, reflecting pure snow, the true shape of your own face. And so now we'll... um, We'll take the refuges and the precepts together. <clears throat> I think you all have copies. If you don't, uh, they're. Uh, I think they're out for a later time. They're out. Uh, if you don't have any, oh, okay. Thank you. There are, I think, some out in the. Uh, room where the cushions are next next to this room. And we'll be uh, chanting them in Pali. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Buddham saranam gachami Dhammam saranam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Dutiyampi buddham saranam gachami Dutiyampi dhammam saranam gachami 
Dutiampi sangam saranam gachami Tatiampi buddham saranam gachami Tatiampi dhammam saranam gachami Tatiampi sangam saranam gachami Panatipata veramni sikapadam samadhyami Adina dana veramni sikapadam samadhyami Abrahmacharya veramni sikapadam samadhyami Musawada veramni sikapadam samadhyami Madhyami Sura Mereya Majapamadatana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Vikala Bhajana Veramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Nacha Gita Vadita Visukadasana Malaganda, Vilepana, Dharana, Mandana, Vipusanatana, Veramani Sikapadam, Samadhyami, Uchasayana, Mahasayana, Veramani Sikapadam, Samadhyami, Idam Mesilam, Magapalanyanasa, Bacayo, oh, too.